I've known this about the Lord. I found it to be true again last night. Somebody say praise the Lord. You know, if the president was coming to this room today, uh, the Secret Service would probably be here a couple of Sundays in advance to see what kind of format our service is. If there's any danger, they'd be staked out all over this facility for about two weeks, and then the president would show up. And there would be a schedule of when he was going to arrive. There's protocol for what happens when he shows up. And, and, and that's just the way it is. If a king would show up or a di dignitary would show up, there's always protocol. I don't, I don't know, but maybe he would have. But I'm not sure if Donald Trump, Trump, our president, would have stopped by that little old house in Iuka last night where a dear saint of God is battling on her bed. But I'll tell you this right now. The king of the ages walked in that room. And he didn't need a schedule. And he didn't need any secret service. And I want you to know that same God's in this room right now. And I want to tell you why he was there last night. Because there was a heart reaching for him. That's why he was there. And that's what's going to draw him today. Is one heart reaching for him. <laughs> Come on. Come on. He said, who touched me? I, I, I know everybody's reaching for me. But somebody touched me. Come on. Right now by faith reach out. Lord, I'm here to touch you today. And I'm here to experience you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your spirit that's here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're in this place today and you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Amen. I feel his presence today. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's a lot of repeats today in there. Somebody say he's repeating a lot today. Amen. What an honor to have all of our guests. We welcomed our guests earlier, but we're so glad you're here. But uh, we're so honored to have the Mahaney's here with us today. Brother Nick and Sister Sandra and their grandchildren are here with us today. And we just love and appreciate them so very much. We appreciate what God's done in their life. We appreciate their testimony. And the Lord's done great things. And I, I told him we were in the middle of family emphasis time and he could preach about the family he could preach about marriage he could preach about grandkids he could preach about the philippines he could preach about being in jail you know we're just whatever the lord wants for us today he sings he's got a cd if you haven't gotten his cd it'll bless you and whatever he feels to do we want him to do it don't we would you welcome brother nick mahaney to this pulpit as he comes to preach the word to us today amen we're ready to receive Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So good to be in Salem. Well, at least it is for me. What a great church. I look around and see friends, and this is, it's like coming home, I'll just be honest with you. I, Brother Gene had me preach 
a revival seven years ago. I've only been preaching ten years, so. <laughs> and y'all endured it. But we love coming back to Salem. We was sitting in conference Friday night and pastor's face come up on the screen. Jonathan said, is he preaching? I said, I wish. No. I, the last time we was here was on the anniversary service. That preacher said something that stuck with me. And I've been thinking about it ever since then. How many have prodigals? Come on, lift your hands. How many have children and family that used to be in church? Come on, lift your hands. Brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. Come on, lift them up high. Let God see this. You see, I've been going to the Philippines for, I don't know, four times, I guess, this year. Philippians is my favorite book of the Bible. I figured, why not go there, you know? <laughs> and God has opened up <laughs> God has opened up some doors there for me. There's 1.3 million drug addicts that, that have turned themselves in. You see, they, they have a choice. They can turn themselves in and get help, or the government will kill them. Man, you want to talk about an altar call. <laughs> the altars are full every night when I'm there. I was at a rally in this, this last time, and it was 1,250 drug surrenderers who had graduated their program and their families. And I listened to that government official tell them, we've helped you. This is as far as it goes with us. If you don't get help, we're going to shoot you. So we, we've been seeing, I'm supposed to go back in November, there's going to be 40,000 drug surrenders in one service. But I never, what I'm getting to is I never had any intentions of evangelizing overseas because my heart's here. You see, I got children that are lost. I got children that are lost. Come on, I got them from drug addicts to alternate lifestyle people to... Just plumb crazy ones. Just, And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you'll give everything you got there, I'm going to bring this back here. So my motives, even though they're godly, they're a little bit selfish because I want to cast some seed over there. I'm going to cast some seed over there and I'm going to watch my children lift their hands and be saved. You see, there's an 11th hour parable in the Bible and we're going to see that 11th hour parable. Come on, our children are going to walk through that door. Our brothers and our sisters are going to walk through the back door. Come on, our mothers and our fathers. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Exodus 24 and 15. If you have your Bibles. If not, 
Maybe you need to get a Bible. Those two don't have a Bible. And Moses went up into the mountain. And a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And I want to preach on through the eyes of the Father. You see, we've got to learn to look at our loved ones like the Father looks at them. You know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, I, I've went to God upset. Lord, how can my son do this stuff? Lord, what in the world is wrong with my daughter to act like this? The problem is, is I'm not looking at them like the father looks at them. I'm looking at them through my flesh. And we need to look at them like the father looks at them. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I worship you. I magnify your name, Lord. Lord, I need you to touch my mind and my body, Lord. Give me strength right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let me be able to follow after you. Let the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I feel your presence strong in this place, God. Lord, if there's anybody in this place that needs you, Lord, let you touch their heart and fill them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we come against sickness and disease and infirmities in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that angels would go down to Janie and Mac Todd's house right now, God, and surround that living room and surround their house right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We praise you. You may be seated. After 430 years of bondage, God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, through plagues and pestilence and finally the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. The children of Israel have been freed of their taskmasters. Now they take and they go and get the bones of Joseph. Well, that's a good sermon right there too. And they carry them away with them as they set out on their journey. They head into the wilderness and they are led by God. Exodus 13 and 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, to give them light to go by day and night. Come on, I don't care what kind of situation you're in. Come on, I don't care. It can be the brightest part of the day. Everything's going good. God is going to be there. But I'm going to tell you, in the deepest, darkest depths of night, my God is still going to be there. And He's going to lead the way. He's going to guide our feet. He's going to lighten up our path. Now the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart and they realize that all their servants are gone because they didn't know how to work. And, and the guy that was putting his shoes on is left. How am I going to tie my sandals? I don't know if you tie sandals or not. And they realize that all the servants are gone. So Pharaoh and all his horsemen and chariots and all his army Catch up to them as they're camped by the Red Sea. 
Now the Israelites seeing this massive army of the Egyptians become afraid. Now there's two times in the Word that I found where people got scared that they were sore afraid. That's when the Goliath challenged the Israelites and said they were sore afraid. And then when Pharaoh was coming after them, they were sore afraid. Now I'm going to tell you, that's scared. I've, y'all have heard my testimony. I've been in some tough situations, but I've yet to be so afraid that I was sore. That's some knees knocking right there, isn't it? So, and they begin to cry out to the Lord. And they tell Moses, why has he led us here, talking about God, to die in the wilderness? It would have been better to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. Exodus 14 and 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. For the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Come on, can I tell somebody in this place, The devil has been trying to put a spirit of fear upon you. The devil has been trying to place doubt and worry and disbelief in your mind. He attacks your health. He comes after your finances and family. And it seems overwhelming. But I want to tell you, fear not because God is about to show up and fight your battles. Fear not because the Egyptians, you're not going to see them again no more forever. If the devil can get us living in a state of fear, come on, then he can put his foot on apostolic revival. Come on, I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I take dominion over the spirit of fear. The enemy was in their face and the sea at your back. Come on, just hold on. Just hold on. What the enemy doesn't realize, God, see, the devil's not real smart. I don't know if y'all figured that out yet. I mean, he got kicked out of heaven. I mean, so what he doesn't realize, the Lord is setting him up for defeat. Because the Lord is about to step into our situation. Come on, he's not only going to fight our battles. Come on, but he's going to destroy Come on, we need to get back to where we pray, God, destroy my enemies. Come on, not just rebuke them, put them under my feet and destroy them. Because it's not by might, but it's by, by the power of the living God that will set you free. Come on, greater is he that is in us, church, than he that is in the world. Come on, God fights our battles. We don't have to worry about flesh fighting it. God fights our battles. So God makes a path. My wife's sitting over there in shock. She's never heard this sermon, so look at her. Brand new off the press. This ain't number 57. See, the problem I have is I I preach every sermon I know here at Salem, so... So y'all make me have to study. <laughs> yeah, make, make me have to study. 
That, that's the truth. God makes a path through the Red Sea. And the Israelites march on dry ground to the other side. Now the Bible says the waters were a wall on the right and on the left. They marched right on through with a water of wall on the right and on the left. Reach in there and pull out a bass. Whoop. Man, I hope the fish are biting. Let's pray right now. Lord, we want the white bass biting tomorrow. Well, hey, he listens to us. I just hope I catch more than Jared. <laughs> he said, that's not a problem. Then they come to Mara. Remember the bitter, the waters are bitter at Mara and unfit to drink? God shows Moses a tree, and when he casts it into the waters, the waters are made sweet. Then they camp at Elam. I'm just giving you a little Bible story. Is that all right? They camp at Elam. And at Elam is, is where all the palms are. Remember the 70 palms and all the 12 wells? And it's full of the, the trees are not only shade, but they have dates in them. So it's sustenance, it's shade, and it's water. Then they have to leave and they go to, into the wilderness of sin. Now I'm just going to tell you, we like to shout, we want to hear the voice of God. But before they, before they could hear the voice of God, they had to leave the paradise and go through the wilderness before they could get to Sinai. Come on, sometimes that old trial you're in is so you can hear the voice of God. So he can lead you through the wilderness. Come on, sometimes you want to get closer to God? Well, guess what? It's going to take a little trying time. It's going to take a little wilderness time before you hear his voice. Everything just doesn't come in the shout. I wish it would. But everything I've gotten from God, I've had to do it through toil. Come on, I've had to do it through some misery. This is where Moses strikes the rock and their thirst is quenched in the desert. Then to Rephidim, and they are attacked by Amalek. Joshua and Israel fight the Amalekites. And as long as Moses, his arms are held up by Aaron and Hur, they defeat the Amalekites. But the Bible says Moses' hands begin to feel like stones. And they begin to sink down. And when they would, the Amalekites would begin to overtake the Israelites. So Aaron and Hur rush up and they hold up the arms of the pastor or Moses. Come on, now more than ever in these last days, we need some men of God. Come on, they're not worried about whether they get this certain title or an office. All they're worried about is doing the work of God. All they're worried about is holding up the arms of the ministry so the pastor can walk into battle. Because I'm going to tell you, if your children make it to heaven, it's going to be because of a man of God knows how to put their names up before the throne of God. We need to hold up our, our ministry now more than ever before. Now it's three months, and they arrive at Sinai. God then begins to instruct Moses on laws and statutes that he wants the Israelites to follow and obey. This is when Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, whew, you know that guy was tough. You go to school with a name like Nadab, you fight every day. 
And the only one just as tough as him is his brother Abihu. <laughs> You're like, man, what was they drinking? Sorry, Lord. So Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders, they go up on the mountain. And while on, on the mountain, the Bible says it is covered by a cloud. And God begins instructing Moses about offerings, about the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, and the veil, and the sacrifice, and the furnishings of the, of the tabernacle. Exodus 28 and 1. And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother, and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now Moses is on the mountain. He's up there with God. And the Israelites, they begin to wonder, well, what's taking him so long? See, even back then, they were worried about too much about the pastor. Well, what's he doing going on vacation? Well, you wore him out, my God. He needs to go catch a couple crappie. So they begin to wonder where he's at, what he's doing. After all they had seen in just three months, after all they had been through, they watched the waters roll back. One commentary said that that wasn't a miracle. because It was the Reed Sea, and the water was only 24 inches deep. Well, the miracle was when he drowned all of Pharaoh's army in 24 inches of water. Now they all drowned in 24 inches of water. The bitter waters made sweet. After all they had been through, they had lost their faith in just a few days. So they come to Aaron, and they ask him to build a god for them. Aaron has them break off their golden earrings, and he makes a golden calf. The people say, after the calf is built, that this is the god that has brought them out of Egypt. This is Aaron, the right-hand man. Come on, it's Moses and Aaron. And, it, and he begins to proclaim a feast. God was up there instructing Moses on the holy garments that Aaron was to wear. He was telling Moses what he expected from the high priest Aaron. Moses had no idea that Aaron had built a false god for the people and that they would be na dancing naked in front of this golden calf. You see, even though Aaron was not in the will of God, God saw who Aaron was created to be. Come on, in the very midst of his sin, God was up there laying out his garments. Come on, in his doubt and disbelief, God seen who Aaron was created to be. Come on, I don't know what you think. Come on, I don't know. Maybe you think it's impossible, but I'm talking to somebody with a prodigal. God is putting their garments together right now. You may not think it's possible. You may think it's not going to happen, but he has got a miter for them. He has got garments for them. When they walk in those doors, they're already going to have their garments ready. Exodus 28 and 36. 
And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet holiness to the Lord and thou shalt put it on a blue lace that it may be upon the mitre upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be and it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Come on, it may look hopeless to us because I know what you're going through. Come on, when you hear news of your children, when you hear of things that they're doing, and you know that they are not living for God, doing unspeakable acts of sin, they've made and they're dancing before false gods. In our eyes it looks impossible, but God sees them not in their sin. Come on, he sees them who he created them to be. Come on, he sees them as a worshiper. He sees them as a Sunday school teacher. He sees them as pastors. He sees them as evangelists. He sees them as missionaries. Come on, the devil knows that if he can make us see just their faults, that our faith will be weak. He just wants us to give up and think that there is no hope. But God wants us to look at them through the eyes of the Father. Come on, it may look like the pig pen has swallowed them up. They may not look the same because of the shame and because of the filth of sin has marred them and damaged them. But the Father sees the vessel that lies underneath all the guilt. The Father sees the vessel that lies beneath all the shame and all the stench. We have to have faith like God's faith. Instead of idol builders and sin worshipers, the Father sees them as who they are to Him. Luke 15 and 20. And He arose and came to His Father. But when He was yet a great way off, His Father saw Him and had compassion and ran and fell on His neck and kissed Him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, every time I read this story, I find new things in it. See, the father knew his son wasn't destined for the pig pen. The father had faith that his son was coming home. Come on, it may have looked like he was just sitting idly on the porch waiting on his prodigal to come walking down that road. But he knew who his son was supposed to be. So he was preparing the best robe for him. Come on, he was getting his son's shoes ready. He had the ring. He had it in his hand and in his pocket. He had the calf being fattened up for the feast he would have when his son returned. It was no accident that the father walks out on the porch and sees him 
No, I bet several times a day he'd be working, doing something in the house. He said, let me go look down the road one more time. My boy's coming home. Come on. I'm watching for him. I'm watching for him. I know my son wasn't destined to be what he was supposed to be. Come on, I know my daughter wasn't destined to be what she was supposed to be. Come on, broken-hearted fathers. Come on, broken-hearted mothers, sisters, and brothers. Don't let the devil make you seem like it is impossible. Come on, they may be wallowing in the pig pen, but they're about to realize the father is waiting on them. He didn't get up and go home. He got up and went to the Father. Come on. He didn't get up and go home, but he got up and went to the Father. Come on, some of your children are about to come to themselves one day. You're going to be sitting here in church because the Spirit is about to start drawing the backsliders in. The door's going to open. You're going to turn around and look, and there's that son or that daughter that you thought it was impossible. They may not even stop and sit down. They may not even stop and sit down, but they may run to this place with their hands raised. God is waiting on them. He's already got their garments ready. Come on, he's already got their garments ready because he sees who he created them to be. Now when the son came home, he didn't say, hey, run down to Walmart and get a robe. Oh, I forgot, he needs some shoes. No, he had it prepared. The garments were ready and waiting on him. He had that ring in his pocket. Come on, my son's coming home. Now we all forget about the mother in this story. Can I talk to the mothers just for a second? Because I'm a product of a mother that never refused to quit believing. Who do you think had the lights in the windows lit up? Come on. Who do you think had that robe all pressed and ready? Come on. Who do you think had those shoes prepared for him? I believe that mother would go into his room every night and say, Dear God, I know my son is coming home. I'm going to light the lights in his window because my son is coming home. Who do you think prepared the fatted calf? Come on, it was mama making the groceries. Come on, daughters of Zion, don't you give up. Come on, ladies of faith, don't you give up. You need to pray like you've never prayed before. You need to intercede like you've never interceded before. I turned my back on God at 17. An alcoholic by 18. Addicted to cocaine and smoking crack before I was 19. Putting needles full of meth in my arms. Full of hate for God. And anything that was good or godly. My pig pen of sin looked insurmountable. Dancing before the golden calf of sin. With a hatred in my heart for the church. In and out of jails. To all appearances. It looked like there was no hope. Society had given up on me. Let me tell you how God works. I had the prosecutor in Saline County. He looked me right in my face. He said, you're a menace to society. We know what to do with men like you. 
we put you away for the rest of your life. We had our adoption hearing last Friday. Guess who the judge was? The same guy that wanted to give me 40 to life. I didn't realize it right then, but God already had his garments ready. Come on. It was the fastest adoption in history. 20 minutes, we were out and headed down the road. My family and peers began to think that there was no hope. And even though sin looked like it had me and it had won, the Father never looked at me that way. He already had my garments prepared. He was preparing me garments of righteousness. He was, come on, He was preparing me garments of joy. He was preparing me garments of freedom from the addicted because He knew that one day I would come walking down that road towards my home. March of 2004, the Father looked off in the distance and He seen me walking to Him. The home was already ready for me. My robe was ready. My shoes were ready. My ring was ready. The calf was ready for the feast because he knew this day would come. God filled me with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. All that shame and all that filth gone. And in its place were the garments he had prepared for me. Then came the joy of the faithfulness of parents Come on, who refused to believe that sin would win but kept their faith in God and they were rewarded? It's time we realize it's not in what we can do but what our God can do. Come on, it's too easy for us to see the wrongs and the sin of people that are living a life that we don't agree with. But we need to look at them through the Father's eyes. Because he sees who he created them to be. God didn't create us to be drug addicts. He didn't create us to be alcoholics. He didn't create us to be bound by fear, depression, and anxiety. But we were created in his image. To be like him. And worship him. And praise is an act of faith. Maybe my children haven't walked through that door. But I'm going to praise him like they just came through the door. Come on, maybe God hasn't healed my body yet, but I'm about to praise him because he's going to heal my body. Maybe I haven't made it out of that valley, but I'm going to praise him all the way to the mountaintop. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen. If every time we came to church, we'd walk over to the place where that boy used to sit and just sit there for a minute and say, God, I claim my prodigal in Jesus' name. Come on, I wonder what would happen if you begin to intercede and pray, walk up to that seat and say, oh, God, my daughter used to sit in this seat, God. God, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to praise you because she's coming back to this seat. Come on, I wonder what would happen to our services. If we begin to look at people like the Father looks at them. Come on, that 11th hour revival is going to happen. They're going to walk in. They're not going to look what, like what you, they did when they left. 
Come on, they're not going to smell like they did when they left. Come on, there's going to be tears and there's going to be lines on their face from the things that they have gone through. But the father didn't walk up to his son and say, all right, boy, what have you been doing? Where'd you go? He said, come here. And he began to love on him because he's seen him through the eyes of the father. When Jesus burst through the doors of the accusation hall, and the Bible says his eyes met Peter's by the fire, he wasn't looking at Peter because he was upset and hurt. Come on. He was looking at him because he knew what garments he was going to be wearing in about 14 days. Come on, he's, he knew that this was the guy that was going to hold the keys to the Acts 2.38 message. Come on, he looked at him because he was already preparing his garments. My grandmother was raised in a Jesus name holiness church in the mountains of uh, Missouri. My grandfather hated the church. My grandfather Mahaney walked in, they said, and grabbed her by her hair with his pistol out and drug her out of the church. He said he'd kill anybody that tried to stop him. He used to beat her. He wouldn't allow the kids in the house to talk about God. He was, a, he was a machine gunner in World War II, and he had killed so many people, he said there couldn't be a God. His mind was tortured. He was a severe alcoholic who ended up dying at 54. He drank himself to death. But I asked my dad about where he lived. And this story came back to me because he was just inducted into the order of faith for the United Pentecostal Church, you know. That's, and we had to, we was going through all these pictures. And my, when my dad was about eight, he said the, his neighborhood, the further you went down the street, the rougher it got. I said, where'd you live, Dad? He said, we lived at the end of the street in a field in an old empty bus with a wood stove in it. He said there many a night he'd try to come home and his dad would be passed out in front of the door drunk. And they, him and his brother would just turn around and leave and go through the neighborhood. He had already started drinking by the time he was seven, eight years old. And one day they were down in the neighborhood and he heard music coming. My dad told me, he said, he th they thought it was a carnival or something. And my dad said he ran out, peeked in the window, and there was people going crazy in this place. There's an apostolic church in a little building. He said the guy come up behind him and grabbed him. And he, he thought he was in trouble. He began to fight him, and the guy said, hold on, boy, it's all right, just hold on. He said, tomorrow is Sunday. And he said, we're having a, a Sunday school drive, and you might win a bicycle. So my dad came back to Sunday school that morning, and we, that's how I remembered this story. We got a picture of him on that bicycle he won. He got in trouble. It's hard to believe that any Mahaney would be Henry. And they took him out of the class, set him down, and that teacher said, son, I want you to remember one thing. He said, one of these days you're going to come to a crossroads in your life, and I want you to remember that Jesus is the answer. He went home that night, 
his dad was passed out drunk. My dad said he went to sleep on the floor. He never. He said he, the only time he ever slept in beds was when he went to prison or jail. And he laid down on the floor. And he said all of a sudden in the middle of the night he had this dream, a very vivid dream. He said in that dream he was walking up this road with his family. And they come to a fork in the road. And to the right was a beautiful city. And to the left was hell and damnation. My dad said in his dream, he waved at his family as they went left and he went towards the city. He said in that dream, a voice spoke to him said, son, one of these days you're going to preach my gospel. Years later, prison twice, Satan worshiper, the list goes on and on. He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God called him to preach 30 days later. And my dad said immediately when God called him to preach, he remembered that dream. See, all those years in sin, God was preparing his garments. It didn't look like here there was going to be any chance for Charlie Mahaney. But you see, God seen Charlie Mahaney as who he created him to be. I want to tell somebody in this place right now, maybe your heart isn't right. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church. Just maybe I'm telling the story of a prodigal and it hits home with you. Can I tell you, God is down here waiting with open arms. He doesn't care what you did last night. He doesn't care what you did this morning. But he's got your garments ready. He's ready for you to come down and he's going to put on a robe of righteousness. Come on. He's ready to put on the shoes of triumph. Come on. He's got a ring in his hand just for you. Let's all stand. The musicians come. Now, I know some guys, they're in line at McDonald's and God speaks to them. I know one guy, he sees angels everywhere. And I told him at conference, I said, well, I see the other guys. I wish I would see an angel. But I do know when God, that here in this last year, I've had the Lord speaking to me very, very strongly. And it's been about 18 months ago that I went into a whole different dimension in my faith and in my ministry. And I feel right now I'm on the very edge of another step into a higher dimension. And I say this to tell you, don't give up. Do not give up. Listen, I know it's painful. I, I haven't talked to my son. I can't get him to answer the phone or nothing. I don't know what's wrong. I heard he got arrested again. We got another son, most brilliant man I've ever met. But he chooses to live in a different. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the hardest things for me to deal with. And I got down and prayed, and I said, God, what? Why? And I'm telling you, I heard him tell me, just as clear, as almost like it, it was a booming voice. He said, I delivered you from drugs and alcohol and perversion 
So why can't I deliver him? Well, that's an abomination. So is sowing discord amongst the brethren. But you see, I, I serve a God that can pull you out of I don't care what kind of sin it is. Salem, here's what I feel the Lord speaking to me. If you will, humble yourself to him and lay everything down at his feet and quit trying to do it on your own. Then God's going to bring them back. You won't have it. You can't put them all in here when they get back. You see, I was beating myself up about eight, nine months ago. I didn't tell nobody in my family about it. I'd lay awake and I'd be gone in a motel laying there saying, God, what am I going to do about my family and my children? And the Lord said, first you've got to celebrate me for the small victories. And as I was preaching... It was one of those churches where you preach twice in the morning. And my watch buzzed, and I looked down, and my wife had sent me a text. said, Kaylee's in church with me today. That's a small victory. My son is such a heathen. He's been working. Man, that is a miracle. Not just working. He's been working for a year now. And I'm like, well, that's a small. You know what he told me? He said, well, I'm not shooting dope no more. He said, I drink a little bit, and I was upset. What? Hey, I missed the part. Hey, Dad, I'm not shooting dope no more. You got to thank him for the little things that he's doing. Yes. If you're in this place and it's been a while since you spoke in tongues as I call the church down I want you to come with them because everybody that raised their hands come on I want you to come down and I want you to lay the, the names of your loved one right here lay it down at the altar come on if you raised your hand that you got a backslider you got a brother a sister a child come on bring them on down And I want you to lay their names down here. Somehow put it in your mind that you're taking and putting it down here. That mom's coming home. Brother Max, a good example. Sister Janie. Every time I think about it, God already had their garments prepared. God had their garments prepared. Come on, lift your hands. Say, God, Lord, let me find the small things. God, let me, let me praise you for what you've already done. God, I'm trying to do it on my own. Lord, I'm trying to do it on my own, and I need you to help me.
Come on, let them tears begin to flow. And then you need to tell the enemy, I rebuke you. You're not going to get my family. Come on, you're not going to get my family. As they begin to sing, come on, I want you to begin to praise him. Come on, I want you to begin to open up your voice to him.